0: Welcome to the Shockwave Therapy Podcast. My name is James Woolwich, Osteopath and Clinical Director at the Abbeyfields Clinic in Suffolk. We will be trying to demystify the concept of shockwave treatment whilst bringing together experts in their field to discuss the latest research. If you are deciding on whether to add this modality into your clinic or just improve the way you deliver it, then we hope this is the podcast for you. Today we're talking to Uve Indigard of Indigard Physiotherapy in Leeds in the UK. Uh, Originally from Norway, uh, he trained as a physiotherapist in 1999 at the University of Bradford uh, before completing a Masters in Sports and Exercise Injury Management at Leeds Metropolitan University in 2003. He's one of the few physios to achieve the Association of Chartered Physiotherapists in Sports and Exercise Medicine's Gold Accreditation. He's got a vast amount of experience in elite sport, working with, amongst others, the GB judo team, um, England badminton. His focus is, is providing good quality care uh, through research and, and some advanced technologies like shockwave. Um, he holds numerous certifications including membership of the Society of Musculoskeletal Medicine, uh, Functional Range Release and Conditioning, Anatomy in Motion etc. He's an experienced specialist and educator in shockwave therapy um, in this country and abroad. Today, we will be focusing on uh, his, his experience with tennis elbow. He sees lots of these patients um, and talks uh, widely on the subject. So it'd be really interesting to have his take on uh, tennis elbow and in, with a particular Shockwave today. Thanks, Eve. Thanks for joining Hi. me. T- How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. So we are principally going to talk about tennis elbow today because the podcasts have have gone a little bit up and down over the the time that we've been doing. And I think I'm trying to take it into a a position where we're talking about conditions. Um, So this is sort of one of the first ones that I'm thinking about doing, which is you talking about tennis elbow. And the reason why I asked you, obviously, because now you're a world famous superstar on tennis elbow (laughs) webinars. So you just did a webinar that was how many people on it?
1: I, I think there's about 500 I was at Active Live, but there were 1,200 registered and then they all got a recording of it and stuff, so that yeah, was pretty cool. It was a bit of a, uh, a novel experience, but um, That is yeah, That is it was,
0: pretty impressive. Really so, but Before we start, can you just give everyone, as we do, can you give us a roundup of what, what you're all about, where you are, and so on and so forth?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yes, my name is Uve Indegard. I'm, I'm a childhood physiotherapist. Um, my clinic is based in Leeds, uh, and Um, I originally came from Norway, studied here in Yorkshire, um, and then ended up staying for various reasons. Uh, I guess um, through the years I've been involved with some elite sports and, and, you know, um, kind of specialised in that at some stage. And then from there on involved my practice a little bit. Um, These days, you know, a lot of it is chronic conditions, I guess. I see a lot of of second opinion stuff. People have been elsewhere and come, come back to the clinic here. Uh, both from a movement point of view um do a lot of shockwave these days as well um, but it's a mixture of, of conditions and it's a, a general practice I guess okay uh, in that sense
0: how long have you been how long you, how long have you been in your clinic did you just tell me that have I just missed that but how long have you been there um, well, um,
1: the clinics the clinic's been here in, in Leeds for about 16 years now okay um, so I've been in practice for 21 you years so the UK about 24 25 years ago.
0: Right, wow, that's a fair amount of time. And just just for everyone who might be watching this on YouTube, what, what are those fancy-looking machines behind you? Because that's a particularly nice one.
1: Oh, right, yes. Yeah. so um, the one that you see in the back there um, with the black screen is the new um, Stortz Magnetolid magneto uh, Magnetotransduction Therapy. Very nice, um, easy for you to say. we just got a um, month ago. Yeah. Um, and then the other stuff is my ShopWave setup, which is um, the Stortz MP50 radio machine. Um, and then I have the T-top uh, focused uh, device. Uh, I've got the V-actor. Then I've got various types of transmitters for, um, for my radio as well that I, I use quite extensively.
0: Sure, okay. So um, for, those, for those that, I mean, I mean, I'm not particularly, as an osteopath, I don't, I don't happen to see too many tennis elbows. So I, I'm going to be all learning today. So assume everyone listening to you is, is completely without knowledge. Just, can you give everyone a, I mean, you know, the last thing I remember learning at college was ECRB, uh, blah, blah, blah. And that's probably well out of date and I have no idea what I'm talking about. So can you just give everyone a quick roundup of tennis elbow, pathology, anatomy, yeah, so etc.?
1: If, uh, you know, from my, my experience with, uh, with, with tennis elbows is um, uh, not so much tennis tennis players, I guess. Um, I do see a lot of weightlifters and CrossFit athletes um, and they usually come in with, with problems. The other group that are quite um, prevalent is, for me at least, um, manual workers, uh, people who are using hand tools, um, and th- they tend to come in with these things as well. So if we then talk about like how, uh, what kind of condition it is, we know that it's kind of a generative condition, it's an overload condition, mm. and like you said, it's the ECRB, the Extensor Radialis Rodeal, Carbon. So that's
0: still relevant, I'm not too out of date then?
1: No, no, it's still the tendon. So uh, the common extensor tendon is made up of that and the extensor digitorum um, tendon. Right. And the most important one is the is the ECRB, and and it you know like if you look at the studies on it, it kind of ducks under the, the digitorum tendon and becomes a deeper part of the, the common extensor tendon. Right. And and that has a couple of really important um, points to it because one, that's usually where people get problems. Uh, rather than the superficial parts on the attachment on the epicombat. yeah. and the second part is that the, the, if it kind of um, articulates with the elbow joints uh, on the underside of that tendon so um, you know that there's several factors involved with the tennis elbow but one of them is the biomechanical side and it has a heavier biomechanical um, side to it um, the ECLB also integrates with the, the joint capsule so
0: oh okay um, I didn't know that right okay
1: so that's one part of it. And um, supernatal takes some fibers off it as well. So when you think about all these things that you do, wrist extension, gripping, and, and twisting in, in um, your wrist, all of that involves and creates shear forces around the elbow. So there's a lot of forces that go through there. Right. Um, and I think that's that's a, a huge part of why it's such an exposed uh, tendon. Um, the, the other thing that, that I find quite important uh, with tennis elbow is that it's connected to the rest of the arm and the, and the neck and the back and, and having all these connections and you know like i'm a hesitant to talk about you know the anatomy trains and things like that because we're not 100 percent sure whether that is actually a thing or not yeah but there is some form of um you know transmission of forces through the upper limb right yeah so some of it's coming you know when you grip there's a there's a joint action between your Flexes and extensors in your in your wrist, yeah. and bicep and tricep activity. There's also some deltoid activity. So as soon as when you start to manipulate your arm in space, all these muscles work together. And so we know that to be able to move our shoulders properly, we need to have good stability and strength around the shoulder girdle and things as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, And so we then have, you know, some form of transmission of forces through the whole arm. So when we're talking about treating it. I think that's a really, really important part of it. Um, the, the, the other two things that are quite important with elbow as well, I feel, is, is that it, it becomes usually very sensitized. So the area itself has quite a lot of nerves coming into it.
2: Yeah.
1: So you have the radial nerve, obviously, <laughs> in the back, and then yeah, the, inside yeah. of the older nerve coming in. And, and so the radial nerves in really close proximity to them can get a little bit irritated uh, in the muscles there, too. So sometimes you get an overlap of of compression on, on that too and that can make it really, really sensitive. We know that the area becomes really hypersensitive and you see that with your tennis elbows that come in right? you press on the epicondyle, and they, <laughs> they fly through the roof. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so th- there is an element of, of that as well and um, um, you know whether there's some central sensitization involved in that, I would say that's quite a high probability okay. on top of the biomechanical. Uh,
0: do, you, do you do like any normal. neural neural gliding stretches with your tennis elbow stuff? I know my physio colleague does it here and he's quite keen on that yeah. with tennis elbow.
1: Yeah, you know like when we, when we use, test it, obviously we do the standard wrist extension, middle finger extension, yeah. grip testing and things like that and, and the palpation, but we also want to know if there's other things going on. Yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure that there is no nerve gliding issues, you know we screen for that and if there isn't a problem there, we know that that's not an issue, but if it is then you know that's probably where we're going to start, we're going to start to desensitize that and see if we can create some better gliding and yeah. and we also look higher up into the system as well uh, into the neck area and, right. and rule out any any um, complaints from there as well Okay. so it is a highly complex area and um, I mean the final thing as well is, is how it integrates and functions so we know one of the biggest compensations that happens like when you start gripping, instead of just gripping straight you start gripping with a flexion, flexion. Yeah. Um, and that has an impact on the flexor muscles and their connections in post-transmission and i often find this in the the crossfitters where if they they haven't got the grip properly then they can't recruit the lats properly either so then the grip impacts the shoulder function and you can't really um you know get that pull up right and then they start with compensations and and then they break down somewhere along the line
0: right um and um
1: um, I'm always tempted
0: with CrossFit athletes yeah. just to, just just to suggest that they stop doing it. <laughs> Actually,
1: but, <laughs> I, I, you, do you know what? Like, it's once you get get going with it, they, they usually listen quite well. Do they? Um, and you start, you know, what I demonstrate to them: if they get the grip back, this is what can happen. And I teach them how to recruit the the lats better, but you have to get the shoulder in the right position. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, and with that, it's it's what the grip does then, and. And you know we know from lots of research now that the shoulder and the grip is is massively involved together. Right. So that if you haven't got a grip, you probably have a shoulder problem or a shoulder stability issue. All oh, right. There's been, some,
0: there's, been some, there's been some been some research on that. That like, reduced grip strength with if poor shoulder function.
1: Webinar, <laughs> <laughs> um. So now I mentioned in the webinar, there's two or three papers that look at how. Um, the grip and the rotator cuff is linked. So if oh, your right. grip is weak your rotator cuff will be weak too. So there seems to be some form of cold contraction Right. Um, in, in there. Um, well you're no, you're nervous, your
0: nervous system is probably monitoring it saying there's a weakness there so we're not going to allow you to transmit force through the whole arm
1: yeah i think i think so yeah i think there's definitely some form of joint transmission issue right um, or uh. force transmission issue between the grip and the, and the shoulder which makes sense right yeah yeah so if you're hanging off a bar and you're about to do pull up yeah 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 it, it's kind of a it, it filters in you know like through the rest of the yeah yeah the arm and how you activate
0: all right interesting
1: but well, that happens on my entire entirely sure but it's certainly something that yeah, I yeah, yeah in clinic a lot
0: well i think i think by the by the fact that you've 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 talked that through that 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 goes to the heart of what I often bang on about when we're when we're teaching, and I, I certainly and I certainly say when I'm teaching is that we're supposed to be talking about shockwave, and we spent the next the last seven minutes talking about anything but shockwave, because shockwave has become this <laughs> sort of one answer: put the shockwave on and hope for the best, right? But and then I'm always trying to tell people that it's only as good as the rehab and the loading and, and your mechanical stuff is alongside it, right? So as you've just emphasised, yeah. if you don't exactly. look at all that stuff and you put the shockwave on and it doesn't respond that well. Everyone blames the shockwave, whereas actually the reality is you should blame the practitioner for being totally myopic and going, right, well, I've got a machine, I'm just gonna put it on the elbow. So it's a That's good absolutely. good start that you started off with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, we see
1: that through the body, don't we? Where, where the, you know, if you don't add the exercises to the shockwave, yeah. it's less effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know that that's part and parcel, but you know don't forget about being a practitioner just because you got a shopping. No, no, so no, yeah, indeed, yeah. Your 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 clinical skills in diagnosing the uh, yeah. diagnosing movement problems and yeah, you know testing testing the area is so important. And then your rehab. But that but
0: that was that was for us oldies. That was how ultrasound became about twenty years ago, wasn't it? it was everyone we get yeah. an ultrasound machine, just get incredibly lazy and just go wiping it on yeah. the sores, and that's what it became a cure-all for everything else for lazy people, but. um Anyway, enough of my opinions. So if, if someone's coming to see you with, with, with tennis elbow over three months and you've gone through some of the things that you've just suggested there, you've checked them out, they've got good neural glide, they haven't got anything too complicated, they've just taken up a new thing and they've overloaded the tendon. So how do you then go about building um, a, you know your treatment plan with the patient using Shockwave? What is your, what is your go-to average kind of approach for this, using focus, radial... What kind of things do you do, That your go-to things?
1: So, one um, of the, the kind of the key things um, we have, that I haven't touched upon yet is the thumb, okay, so. Um, for The thumb? To be able to grip, yeah, the thumb. Oh, right, okay, <laughs> All right. So, you know, follow right? So, when, when you spend a lot of time gripping, yeah, your, your hand is kind of held in a bit of a claw. Yeah. Okay, a lot of people spend lots of time on keyboards and they're in the claw. Um, and so they tend to get really stiff around the end. So uh, muscle-wise, I tend to find there's a lot of stiffness in the hand, and they can't really spread the hand
0: properly. Right.
1: Okay. So um, this is the yeah, end. This is just something. Something. I've I'm, I'm
0: finding this mesmerizing. So. I've never heard of this stuff. This is great. I'm gonna suddenly. I, I'm gonna suddenly start yeah. getting a load of tennis elbow patients in this week. It's always how it goes, right?
1: So um, when when we're um, if engage, if you're in the claw position. you're going to overuse the the kind of flexor group in here yeah Um, and technically that that gripping that that motor control issue that we see yeah kind of becomes a a, you know a learned behavior and a motor pattern um and so to to get rid of that if there is some myofascial things we need to look into the forearm whether that's got the extensibility that it needs and with that is the thumb okay so the the muscles come down here and the thumb needs to spread And if you can't get out of the claw position I bet you you can't get full wrist extension either. All right. Okay. So then, every the time you're doing stuff, these muscles are having to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah all you the can time. feel that
0: as you're trying to do that, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So then they're over working overtime all the time. So that becomes a factor then to why they might have a lot of overactivity pulling on this tendon all the time and creating this pain and discomfort.
2: Right. Okay. So I try
1: to alleviate that, and and so you know for the treatment of of. The, the first joint in the thumb, right? We, we tend to do um, some some radial work across the thumb. yeah. Um, and if it's really stiff and it's got like some arthritic elements to it, then I might even focus that. Purely because I want that wrist to be nice and free. As in focus shockwave, yeah? Hey?
0: As in focus shockwave on the thumb, you do, right?
1: Yeah, focus okay. on, the, on the thumb. So I start off with the, all the soft tissue work yeah. into there, then I check and see if there's some improvement in mobility, the wrist gets better. Um, and then once once we've got that and if, if there is like you do the shear tests and stuff and there's still pain in there then i might even that and treat that as part of the overall
2: okay picture. right
1: okay so that's important to me there's no point releasing all of this for yeah, yeah. but to just start building up again because yeah, yeah. More, um you know tension or movement patterns and things like that sure that that's important and then exercises follow that. okay so i use um i use wedges and things like that and wrist mobilizations where i put a wedge a little like foam yoga block or something underneath the thumb and then press into that so that they do self mobilizations at home because i need them to get out of the club right okay so that's that's one of the the kind of go-to that i I look for and if it's there then i deal with that first and the second part of it is obviously the the radial side of the shock work treatment um you know i've I've, recently you know, borrowed uh, acquired the fascial tools, yeah, uh, which are started in- and I really like those, but before I had them, which was only a couple of weeks ago, yeah, and um, I was using the radial tool to actually go through the extensive group, especially ER- ERCB, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and getting some, some treatment on there. Obviously, being very that like, there is a, a nerve there that I want to be careful with, so the pressure is usually not that high, sure, you know, it's probably 1.5 maybe bars. Um, and just working through here, and doing some of the V-actor vibration therapy as well, just to reduce the tone a little bit. Right. So you know, we've, we we know from all the, the, the you know the spaz- um, spasticity research and shockwave, we know that it lowers the tone in the muscle. So we can use that as a tool to reduce the, the overall tension in the muscle, which then less compression in, in the tendon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, clinically, I I see a reduction in in. Um, Pressure pain on the lateral epicondyle and I, ne- I never measured that, but patient reported it would be usually about half the, the pain. Right. Just okay. from Doing uh, those two strategies. But what What do
0: you and What um, do you use as a lubricant when you're using the fascial tools? Do you use the normal ultrasound gel, or do you, yeah, you use just a massage gel on that? I
1: don't know the fascial tools. I use without lubricants. Nothing so at all. I want there to be some friction in that in that interface. Okay. Um, and um, and uh, um, yeah. Right. And then that kind kind of gives that release anyway. It's, yeah, yeah. it's really efficient. I've been quite surprised really, oh, okay. um, of how good they were. I, I wasn't expecting them to be that good. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, we've been following all the webinars lately, and and uh, you know, uh, seeing Colin De Mayo and Stefan oh, Swartz, who's came up man um, um, actually, um, you know, inspired me to see if I can borrow them off of uh, one of our colleagues. Right. Um, so. Yes, I start with them, but yes, yeah, so no, nothing on there. And then when you go onto the radial obviously you need the ultrasound gel. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, where
1: you're not going to get any transmission of, of yeah, yeah. The forces in there. Um, so yeah, the, the the next thing to look for, um, it's literally just like tight bands within the muscle tissue that you you know could be influenced. So yeah. we know that the common extensor tendon becomes the intramuscular septum here, and there's usually some tenderness along the long reach of the um, of the lateral epicondyle. So if there's some soft tissue tension there, I'll radial that too. I'm quite generous with my radial. Yeah. Um, I want there to be some stimulation and blood flow bringing into that into that tissue. Um, and what, and what, what's you, what do you what do you use
0: blood what do you use to start with on the? Because uh, I know that a, a couple of us like using the ceramic head. Do you use a normal R15 normal metal head?
1: Um, I I'd probably do most of that with a D20. Um, and before I had the focus, I then would go on to the ceramic head 15. Right. Okay. Yeah, um, but I use the D twenty a lot for this general muscle. Oh, like general it's, muscular stuff. It's a too. Bit okay, wider fine. Wider area, it spreads a wider. Yeah, And I just want that stimulation throughout that tissue. Okay. Um, and then when you go onto I the, guess, you go yeah. onto
0: the insertion, then you do C fifteen just for the pain, the the sensitivity so that's there. General,
1: yeah, that C fifteen will be my go to. It yeah. tends to give like a little bit less sensation on the skin. Yeah. Which is good for the anthesiopathies, the insertional tendinopathy stuff. Yeah. Um. And and you know patients tolerate that better, and it's seem give you know like a, just a little bit deeper sensation as well. Um, right. I Don't know if you found that, but um, it's, it's it feels different to the normal R fifteen. Yeah, treatment. yeah,
0: that it does. Yeah. Um, would you try and would you try and get them onto that, or are you quite happy to do the whole insertional treatment with a ceramic head?
1: Well, these days I go straight for the focus because I've got it. Oh yeah, um, true enough. Yeah. But I, I would I would do you know a, a good two thousand shocks usually with fifteen. Um, or tendon. Um, the other area that I tend to go for is like three centimeters down, um, the tendon as well, which yeah. has been shown to be quite a hypervascular area and yeah. an area where there's a lot of pain usually. Right. So I tried to cover both of them with uh, with about two thousand shocks, um, and then the pressure level, you know, two bar up to two and a half bar if you can tolerate, but usually yeah. it starts off quite low because of the the pressure pain uh, of that, um, and gradually build up so
0: do you still use the radial in combination with the focus or do you just use focus now you've got it both no, combination no I do
1: all the, all the, the muscle yeah, work yeah. I do the thumb work and everything with the radial and then when I do the insertional, because it's so much less discomfort yeah, I yeah. guess for the patient yeah. um, I choose that for for the insertion with the big ha- with the big
0: standoff um, I assume
1: pardon
0: with the, with the large standoff
1: yes Yeah. Yes, yes. so standoff number two the large standoff yeah, yeah. so that we can get the right treatment that's um, and then it's, it's usually about a thousand pulses for that, um, starting off at 0.05 point yeah. um, and building maybe up to 0.1, 0.12 I yeah. usually don't get get any higher than that. The patients um, are usually very sensitive, and you have to keep that pain down. I think that's a huge part of the treatment. And yeah, yeah. you know, like looking at looking at the research on it as well, they found that the low pressures actually perform better right. um, over time than the high pressure. So they compared like. Uh, 0.1 millijoules uh, yeah. uh, per millimetre squared to 0.25 or 22 I think it was Yeah, and uh, there was a marked reduction in, in, in both pain, grip strength and all the outcome measures that they used in the lower uh, pressure group compared to the higher pressure group so you know it's, it's kind of what the patients seem to tolerate better with but also um, the research suggests that that is the, the way forward. Point one. Yeah, point one, um, and like I said, I start usually lower than that. In yeah, that. I do. I do. I,
0: if I if I start at point zero five, then most patients are they're feeling a bit of pain at that point, right? Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. And then,
1: yeah, they, they want you to go. Yeah, yeah, That's a bit much, and you, but you know, sometimes you start lower, right? It's all about the patient and yeah, yeah, what yeah, they yeah. can tolerate, and you know that there's still um, a therapeutic effect even at those levels. Yeah. Um. But then you know you you gradually build up that tolerance, and, and you get in. Uh, deeper into
0: the issue. and what what do you when someone comes in um, I, d- I don't know the answer to this at all actually because we've not spoken about this whether you offer packages of care or whether you say you know actually each patient is different and you've had it five years you're going to need six sessions or whatever else how do you how do you construct your, your treatments with Shockwave do, do you have a package that you do or do you say you've got... I, I
1: don't tend to sell packages um, right. but I do inform them of what our outcomes are, are right. um, that we're trying to achieve and, and so you know, for me it's a healing accelerator so we want to upregulate upreg- all that biology that we're working on the tissues that we're trying to treat and you kind of need a few just to get that going yeah um so for the, for the tennis elbow i usually um would start with three the research kind of suggests that you need three yeah um so we start with three um and then we start the rehab as soon as we can so the rehab might be genital isometrics after the first one because it has to be low on the pain scale Um, and gentle isometrics is usually well pollinated and it gets them going and we know that that in the short term at least can give them some pain relief yeah Um, then yeah we go through the three sessions and gradually introduce um more loading locally Um, and then when we can we start to then integrate some shoulder work and some shoulder blade work as well because we want to improve the strength there we want to improve the central stabilization through there Um, and then after three sessions, we leave it a couple of weeks. Then I have them back because I want to progress their rehab, and we then, uh, you know, look at what's going on here. Um, is this pain still a big part of it? Mm-hmm. Then I would go right. Like, We're going to do another stimulation on that. Okay. Um, and then I have them back uh, again two weeks after that. Right. Monitoring the rehab, changing things, progressing things, um, and hopefully by that stage we've got them, you know, doing some hanging, gripping, holding, and things yeah. like that. Uh, for the more active group and you know twisting the towels and and doing other things you know press-ups and things for 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 the less active group yeah yeah and and you know if, if it needs to be then we will top it up uh, again we right need just that healing stimulation to keep on going but then after that we kind of have to leave you know we, we know that it lasts um, a few weeks with the collagen turnover everything like that so we want that process to take place and it's about monitoring the rehab. And progressing as appropriate. And right. then um, you know, we might review it after after three months. Um but most people, you know, touch wood um uh, are, are a lot better by then and they, they kind of decline treatment.
0: Okay. So you're I mean when, when I teach the research stuff on this and um and you know, it, it always comes back that the, the lower extremity stuff does particularly well with shockwave. the the, the yeah. weight bearing tendons and tennis elbow is always like the poor brother over here. Um, and I've, you know, I think partly that's because there the, there is less research on tennis elbow than it would appear. Achilles, plantar fasciitis—they're the, they're the ones that always get you know the shining light. Um, do you think it's a, 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 the the lack of quality research that suggests it doesn't work that well, or do you think that there are differences between the nature of tendinopathies in the upper and lower extremity? What what do you think on that? Because you're no, clearly it's getting it's good it's results, it's right? So I, we're not, yeah, we're not, we're, I think when yeah, plant, it way, doesn't it? plantar fasciitis, everyone sort of says, look, we can, we can confidently say the average outcome, 75 to 80% of people get 75% better within about three months. But yeah. with, with tennis elbow, certainly when I teach it, I sort of say to patients in the room and I say to people when I'm teaching them, look, it's a 50-50 thing more than it is 75-80. Um, but by the sound of it, you're getting better results than that.
1: I think you know if you look at the research, it, it kind of reports. There's a mixture, really. It's it's kind of between sixty-five and ninety percent, depending on which paper you read. Right. Okay. Um, I, I think you know, like there was a there was a great position paper by the Gooden's Meyer group and, and the kind of the ISM and the T um, guys yeah. back in twenty seventeen when they kind of look is this the main you know indicator for for shockwave uh, the yeah. tennis elbow, and they reviewed a lot of the, the old research because a lot of people. Kind of read that the early stuff like the early 2000s and yeah. 1990s and stuff and and there was just a, such a great array of different um, treatment modalities happening at the time and then there were different machines there were different settings being used somebody used one setting you know, one treatment session some people used three some yeah. people used high low different you know different electro hydraulic stuff piezoelectric yeah um machines so you know the research was all over the place and and quite rightly there wasn't really a huge um uh, support for it in in, in the early days but they kind of looked at it and and you know through up to 2017 um there was still a majority of papers that suggested that it's a really good treatment and the second line for tennis elbow right um so but yeah why why is it so different to the lower limb? right because um (laughs) It is different. I think the complexity of the upper limb in terms of how it moves and, and stuff is greater yeah, yeah. Than, than in the lower limb. Yeah. I think that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think um, often it's a case of underloading. I think they're, they're scared of loading the upper limb. The lower limb gets lots of load because it has to for yeah. running, jumping, and all those things. I think in the upper limb, people are, are just a little bit careful with it. Um, you know, There's a lot of isometrics and therabands um, and that's often where it stops with tennis elbow. Yes, um,
0: I might be I guilty think of think that. To,
1: <laughs> I, th- I think there needs to be a, a much more holistic view on it. You have to look at, you know, even into the, the chest, the core muscles, how they're functioning together, how the shoulder blade is, you know, can you control your scapulates Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that, all of that, how that influences the pressure and the tension that comes through here. Um, and, and, you know, and that gives it a different challenge. To a lower limb, which is usually brought on by repetitive overload, um, which becomes a much more a loading and capacity issue. You have that in the tennis elbow too. Yeah. Well, there's just a much more complexity in terms of what's going on at the hand, the, the shoulder, and all the muscles in between. Right. Um, that's that's kind of my take on it.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm not saying I, I don't I don't get a hundred percent success rate with them. Um, you know, sometimes we need to do a second. Lot of shockwave as well, and that then further improves it. Not everybody is a, a quick responder or an early you know, from, from these treatments. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you have to ha- then, you know, realize what's going on here. How, where are we at in the rehab? Are they adhering to it? Is it worth then doing another three sessions? Let's get back on the rehab because you've kind of sl- slackened it off a little bit. And there has to be that patient and therapist partnership too. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be pretty honest in, in, in your approach.
0: And on on that note about you know those those patients that don't um, respond they're they're the ones that ultimately we should be learning from you know about what 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 do we do to not do right when you're seeing patients sat in front of you um, and you're thinking you know this is a good candidate for shockwave are there particular patients where you start you, where you started to think mm, I'm not sure that's going to be a great outcome or I think that that type of person is going to be a good outcome how, do you have a sort of patient selection thing in your head where you where you're starting to uh, think about that as much as you've anecdotally experienced it
1: i think uh, people who are used to training get the rehab right um they're usually quick responders yeah yeah. Um, the the other thing that i do as well you know i've I've done my my kind of basic uh, ultrasound training um, and then some advanced training as well with with the snug group which I've, i've found very valuable and so you know, I've learned how to, to scan a tennis elbow and, and the, the most common tendons that I see. Yeah. Um and you know, I can I can kind of pinpoint a little bit and see how bad it is. And you know, if if I see a, a majority of the tendon, it's affected, then I know that there might be slow responders. If there's a small area um that's there, then I know that they you know they might be responding a bit quicker. Yeah. Um for instance if you see calcifications in there that might influence things a little bit. Um, and if you have a tear in there you know that shockwave they actually do worse than if, if there wasn't a shockwave yeah, sorry yeah. Um, worse than even with exercise so you might stay away from shockwave at that point in time Yeah. Um, and they, those kind of people often go on to surgery in, in the end right um, yeah so the, the, there's multiple factors involved there um, I think you know the other thing is that the treatment is very safe yes um, you know the, the, there's no risks involved there so no. Um, if the patient agrees to it and, and you you know you've, you come together it, it's going to be the treatment plan um, then you know you know that you certainly not get harmed by, by doing the shockwave yeah
2: um,
1: but like I said most of the time they do respond they get that gradual uh, reduction in pain over the first three sessions mm. and, and everything's happy they can recruit the muscles better the rehab starts to flow better yeah and they start to get confidence in themselves which then further kind of perpetuates
0: the, the, yeah. the, the re-progress to it. Okay, all right. Um, I think that's covered most of the things that we were going to talk about. I think what I've learned from this is I'm, in, I'm incredibly lazy myself at tennis elbow. I think I got myself into some sort of myopic looking just at the elbow stuff, but you know, I'm, gonna, I'm excited about coming to work tomorrow. I'm going to look at people's thumbs. I've never done that before. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you even as an, oscu- as an osteopath, list, I was taught—I right? was taught some of this stuff. Year, I've got twenty odd years ago, and I've—I've I've got a bit lazy on that. So that's been really useful today. I think actually, it's probably—it's probably no wonder why I haven't got great results with elbows because, like all these things, it comes down to the difference between your management and, and the and the rehab, not just the magic machine that we might have, right? So, um, uh,
1: I, I think you're right there, but I, I think you know that the, the gold dust probably is. Um, that your arm is there to position your hand in space.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you t- yeah.
1: to interact with the environment, whether that's on a computer or whether it's hanging from a bar or throwing a bowl. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, this is just one part of that. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, you, you know, looking at the, in, in, uh, the individual parts and making sure that they have the prerequisite movement. Yeah. It's a really, really important part
0: of it. Super. Right, we're going to go home and have some tea now so uh, can I thank you very much for coming on and giving up an evening for us so we're going to be be, hopefully if this is all recorded as it should this will be on YouTube and it will be on obviously on the podcast so uh, uh, I'll sign off now and thank you very much cheers thanks cheers bye bye bye
1: now